Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter 14. And in just a moment, we'll look at verses 12 and 13. Revelation chapter 14, verses 12 and 13. I started living for the Lord back when I was in college. And I remember back then thinking, you know, I've been a Baptist all of my life. I think I'll go and check out some other churches just to see what they believe. And so I started looking around, going to other churches and different denominations. And I did that for off and on for about two years. And then I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go back to the Southern Baptist Church uh, that I came from. Because I really, as I looked at doctrinal statements, I'm not putting anybody down. I'm certainly not saying that God's a Baptist, all right? But I just looked at our doctrinal statement, and I really thought it was the most biblical that I could find. And uh, lo and behold, one of the things that I really appreciated about Baptist theology, which is to me biblical theology, is that once a person is saved, they stay saved. We believe in eternal security. We believe that once God saves you, you're saved forever. You can't lose it. You can't forfeit it. And in the end, that's what I believe the Bible teaches. The security of the believer, some say once saved, always saved. But the biblical reference is the perseverance of the saints. That's the biblical phrase. All true Christians persevere in faith until the end. You say, well, what about people that allegedly get saved and don't finish? They fall? Well, I don't believe they were really saved. I believe that if you're saved, you'll finish. Now, does that mean that all Christians, all Christians, uh, you know, that we never sin? No, I'm not saying that we're sinless at all. How many of you know that Christians sin? Absolutely, yeah. But I am saying that there will not be a complete failure along the way in the sense that you never go back to the Lord. You may stray a little while, but you'll always return back to the Lord if you're a real Christian. 20 years ago, in the year 2000, the Southern Baptist Convention adopted a new statement of faith. It was updated from the 1963 version. And we wrote in one of the articles about perseverance. It's article chapter 5 of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. And it talks about God's purpose of grace. I just want to put it on the screen. This is not scripture, but it is scriptural. That is, it's based on the Word of God. Now listen, all true believers endure to the end. Those whom God has accepted in Christ and sanctified by His Spirit will never fall away from the state of grace. But shall persevere to the end. Believers may fall into sin through neglect and temptation, no doubt about it, whereby they grieve the Spirit, impair their graces and comforts, and bring reproach on the cause of Christ and temporal judgments on themselves. Yet they shall be kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. So what do we do when somebody supposedly gets saved when they're young and then they get away from the Lord and they never go back to church? For 30, 40 years, with all due respect, I think they're lost. I don't believe they're saved. I don't think you can stay away from the Lord and His people that long. Now, can you go into sin and come back? Yes, you can. It's not a good thing to do. Christians can sin. But if you don't have that deep desire to follow the Lord, 
I believe you're not really saved. Those who are saved somehow by the power of the Holy Spirit will persevere to the end. Let's look today at the perseverance of Christians, perseverance of the saints. Now, some of you, before I go any farther, you say, I don't like that word saint. I had a guy tell me one time, a saint I ain't. All right, well, I I get what you're saying, but really, if you're saved, you're a saint. Let me tell you why. A saint is not something that the church declares over certain people and, and they make them a saint. The church doesn't make anybody a saint. Jesus made you a saint the moment you got saved. He sanctified you. He set you apart from the people to be His, and you became a saint by the power of salvation. And now you're in the process of sanctification where you're becoming more and more like Jesus every day until you get to glorification. And so at regeneration, you become a saint. In sanctification, you're becoming more like Jesus. And in glorification, you're with Jesus and you're fully like Him. So let's look and knowing that God has made us saints in Christ, Revelation 14, 12, and 13. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and keep their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow with them. What can we learn about the perseverance of the saints? Number one, true saints will persevere on earth. Now remember, we're in the great tribulation, but God is about to give us some really good encouraging verses here, even if you're a saint during the great tribulation. Look at verse 12. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Here you have this third angel still speaking. If you heard the sermon last week, verses 9 through 11, some of the most vivid, horrific scriptures about hell in the whole Bible. And the good thing about God is God knows we can only take so much of that, all right? So what he's about to do is we've been under that uh, pressure. We've been looking at hell in verses 9 through 11. So in verses 12 and 13, he comes along and said, okay, that's enough of, of that right now. Let me talk to you now about heaven. Let me talk to you now about the future of Christians. And God gives us a little breathing room here. True saints persevere on earth. And notice what he says there. There are two ways that we can prove that we are persevering, and that is we obey God's commands and we maintain faith in Jesus. Look there in verse 12, true saints persevere by obeying the commandments of God, the commands of God. He says in verse 12, here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God. Genuine Christians, look at me, desire to obey God. Now, do you always obey perfectly? No. But do you have that desire? Look at me. If you don't have a desire to obey God, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, and you're not a Christian. So one of the ways you can know that you're a Christian is, I want to do the right thing. I want to follow the Lord. I want to serve Jesus. Jesus said the night before he died in John 14, 51, if you love me, 
you'll keep my commandments. Again, that doesn't mean if you ever break a commandment that you don't love him. It just means that if you love the Lord, you want to obey him. He said the same thing a little bit later on in John 14, 21. He said, he who has my commandments and keeps them. This is the one who loves me. Don't say you love the Lord and you never obey his commandments. If you obey his commandments, he said, and keeps them, that's the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Now watch, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. I will share with him things that I don't share with other people. You want to be intimate with Jesus? Do what he says to do. Don't do what he says don't do. Dr. Rogers used to say, you want to obey God? Do the do's, don't do the don'ts. Just follow what the Bible says. And that's a great way to look at it. No Christian is sinless, but we desire to obey the Lord. True saints persevere, they obey God's commands. And then also, they persevere, true Christians do, true saints, by maintaining faith in Jesus. They don't give up their faith. It says in verse 12, again, here is the perseverance of the saints who, and then it goes a little farther, who keep their faith in Jesus. Now, how are we saved? By good works? No. We're saved by grace through faith. Grace is God's part. Faith is our part. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We repent of our sins, and we believe that Jesus died for our sins, and He rose from the dead. We believe, we trust Christ that what he's done is sufficient to pay for our sin debt. So we are trusting Christ, and even after salvation, we're trusting Christ. We are called in the New Testament, because of this, believers. We are people who trust the Lord. We keep our faith in Jesus. In Acts chapter 5, verse 14, it says, All the more believers in the Lord multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. So whoever repents, whoever believes on Jesus that what He did on the cross and at His resurrection, that's sufficient to pay my sin debt, I believe that and I receive Him. Whoever does that, they're a believer in Jesus Christ. A true saint will persevere. They will maintain faith in Jesus. Several years ago, my son who is a pastor. He's now in Murfreesboro, but he was in Jackson, Tennessee for about eight years. And while he was there, he was going through a time, a little bit of a struggle. He said, you know, I really don't want to baptize somebody unless I know that I know that they are a believer. And I said, that's, that's good. I understand what you're saying. And he was real against easy believism. He just was really concerned about people who, you know, supposedly got saved, and then later on they'd fizzle out and they weren't the real deal. And so he said, I don't want that to happen. He said, if I win somebody to the Lord, I want them to really get saved and stay with the stuff. And so he was not seeing a lot of people baptized, not a lot, seeing a lot of people saved. And so he came across this guy and he discipled him and shared the gospel. It took about three or four months, and lo and behold, the guy supposedly prayed to receive Christ. Grant baptized him. He was so excited. And then about Three or four months later, the guy quit coming to church, never read his Bible, and just fizzled out. And Grant said, man, what is going on? I mean, I, I did everything I did, thought was right. I, I made sure that he knew what he was doing and everything. And then he was said, he said, Dad, I started reading 
one day in the New Testament, and I saw this parable by Jesus, and it came alive. He said, I'd read it many times, but it just came alive. It was the parable of the soils. Have you ever read that? Where Jesus said, the sower went out to sow. And the seed is the Word of God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the ground is the hearts of men. He said, some of it fell on hard soil. And before it could penetrate, the birds came along and ate it up on the roadside. And then there was some other that fell into shallow soil uh, that underneath was the rock. And it didn't have enough place to grow any roots, so it looked like it was going to be great and really blossom out quickly, but it died because of the sun and the heat. And then some was sown in a third area among the thorns, and they choked out the Word, and it couldn't give any fruit. But some of the seed fell on good soil, and that good soil produced a harvest, some 20, some 40, some 100. And Grant said, it dawned on me. It's my job as a Christian to sow the seed. It's his job to save the soul. My job to sow the seed. His job to save the soul. And look at me. When we sow the seed and they pray, we don't know if the birds are going to come along and take that away, the devil, you know. We don't know if it's shallow soil where there's not going to be, we don't know if we're sowing among thorns or if it's good soil. We don't know. But in time, we will know because only the one, the seed that is sown on good soil will produce fruit and only the ones who really get saved will persevere. If you're really saved, you're going to persevere. You're going to go through hard times, but you're still going to persevere. What about you? Do you genuinely desire to obey the commandments of God in this book? Do you desire to obey God? If you say yes, that's a pretty good sign that you're really saved. If you say no, (laughs) I would just say to you, man, I, I don't believe you're saved. And then are you still walking in faith? Have you been saved by grace through faith? And are you walking in faith without faith? It's impossible to please God. Are you believing God? Are you trusting God? I know that sometimes we waver. But I mean, in your heart, do you want to live by faith? Do you want to believe God's promises? If that's burning in your heart, I would say, you know what? That's a real good indication that you're saved. True saints will persevere on earth keeping His commandments, and trusting Him. Trust and obey. Remember that song? Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. So, true saints will persevere on earth. Number two, true saints will be blessed at death. Not an amen in the bunch. All right. Verse 13, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Now, this is a strange beatitude. Remember the Beatitudes, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the pure in heart. Well, here he says, blessed are the dead. Blessed are the dead? What are you talking about? Blessed are the dead? That's not how the world looks at death. The world doesn't see death as a blessing. The world looks at death as a curse. But God said, blessed are the dead. And then the Lord explains himself by adding something to that phrase. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. 
Now, dying is not a blessing for everyone, but dying is a blessing if you die in the Lord, if you know Jesus. And that will be especially true for these great tribulation Christians, many of whom will die terrible, brutal deaths as they're tortured before they die. But even a perilous death in the great tribulation is going to result as them, with them being in the presence of Almighty God. So John heard this voice from heaven, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Now, you know, as a pastor, I have done many weddings and I've done many funerals. And a lot of times people will say at a funeral, what is death? What does it mean to die? Well, the Bible simply says that death is when your spirit and your soul leave your body. That's all it is. You are spirit, soul, and body. And when your spirit and your soul departs from your body, you're dead. That's just what death is. There's a picture of it. So many, there's many pictures of it in the Bible, but one that's so vivid in the Old Testament, in the first book of the Bible, Genesis 35, verse 18, there's a picture of Rachel giving birth to Benjamin, and she died in childbirth. But notice what the Bible says. It says in Genesis 35, verse 18, it came about as her soul was departing, for she died. Her soul was departing, for she died, that she named the little child Benomai, Benomai, Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. Rachel died. How do we know? She died. Her soul departed and went to heaven. And Christian, barring the rapture, you're going to die. And what that means is your spirit and your soul are going to leave your body and you'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord. That's all death is. And to be frank with you, when you look at it that way, it's not that hard. You just kind of fall asleep in the arms of Jesus and your soul is escorted into his presence. Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, while we live on these, in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. How many of you know that the older you get, the more you groan and sigh? Can I have an amen in the house of God? All you young whippersnappers, just keep breathing. It's on its way, all right? While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by light. God Himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, that is a down payment, He has given us the Holy Spirit. So we're always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing or by faith and not by seeing or by sight. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from this earthly, these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. One of these days, 
Your spirit is going to leave your body. But it's not going to just go off into nirvana. It's going to go into the presence of Jesus Christ. If you know the Lord, that's what death is. No wonder, no wonder the psalmist said, from God's point of view, death is a good thing. Psalm 116, 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. I look at it this way. When I'm at a funeral and, and I'm maybe doing the funeral or just visiting there at the funeral and I see the person's body over there, I realize they're, they're gone. Their soul and spirit are gone. And I, I think about what happened when they left. Maybe the, the spouse was holding the hand and, and, and saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. And they left and they said, they're gone. Goodbye. It's like, it's like standing on a shore and watching somebody get in a boat and they sail away until they get to the horizon and then the last vision of them is gone and you say, they're gone. They're gone. But I want to say this to you. There's another shore. <laughs> and when you say they're gone, they're saying, here he comes. Here she comes. And while you're saying goodbye, they're saying hello. And Jesus is welcoming them into his presence. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for that right now. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> oh, don't you fear death, Christian. Even if you're martyred, it is a sacred, sacred transition. It's a graduation exercise into glory. It's like running a long race and crossing the finish line. It's like a family reunion. And Jesus is waiting on you to hug your neck. Your death will be precious in the Lord's sight. And I believe when you get there, you're going to say, well, that, that wasn't as bad as I thought. I've been worried about that all this time. And you're going to quote Paul and say what he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 about death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? I thought you were going to be so bad. That was nothing. Look at what I've got now with Jesus. Man, praise the Lord. Now, true saints will be blessed at death. Number three, true saints, Christians, will rest in heaven. Look at verse 13. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors. Don't forget that last phrase. This is one of two times in the Bible where we literally have a quotation literally from the Holy Spirit. Now, the whole Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying it's not, but I am saying there's only two times that the Holy Spirit says something verbal that we hear that He's, he's quoted in, and both times are in Revelation. One is right here. The, yes, says the Spirit. He amens the Father. He says, so that they may rest from their labors. Later on in Revelation chapter 22, almost at the very end of the Bible, the Bible says, the Spirit and the bride, that is the church, say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. But here in verse 12, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. And when he hears that, when God the Father says that, the Holy Spirit says, yes, they will rest so that they may rest from their labors. Now, rest, look at me, does not imply inactivity 
in heaven. We're not going to be a bunch of cloud potatoes up there, all right? That's not going to happen. We're not going to be sitting around, you know, plucking our harps or whatever, okay? And I'm not against harps. We got one right over there, okay? I'm not against that. So, but you're going to be serving the Lord. What What he's talking about is rest. What he's saying is, even if you're in the great tribulation, you're going to rest from all the persecutions, all the problems on this earth, all the division, all the violence, all the sinfulness, all the temptation, all the bad stuff. You're going to rest from that, but then you're going to go to work in heaven and you're going to serve the Lord. What are we going to do in heaven? Well, we don't have a lot of knowledge about it, but we do know that some really good things are going to happen. One thing is we're going to reign with Jesus. We're going to be co-laborers and co people who are reigning with Him over the whole universe. You say, where in the world did you get that? You know what I'm about to say, out of the Bible. (laughs) Revelation 3.21, He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on His throne. Now, when I get to heaven, I, I really think the first thing I want to do is just fall at Jesus' feet and stay there a few thousand years <laughs> and say, Lord, I'm just so proud to be in. I don't know what to do. I just want to be at your feet. But you know what he's going to do? He said, he's going to say, come over here and sit with me. Sit with me on my throne, just like I sat with my father on his throne. Come on up. And he's not going to just say it to me. He's going to say it to you. And you're going to get up and you're going to sit with Jesus in heaven. And you're going to be sitting on a what? A throne. What do you do from a throne? You co-reign with Jesus. I don't know how that's going to work. I have no idea. Look, I don't make the meal. I don't cook the meal. I'm just the little waiter, all right? I just get it to you. That's what it says. That's what's going to happen. Let me give you a couple other verses to go with it. 1 Corinthians 6, 2, or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? One of these days, we're going to judge the world with Jesus, the great judge. Let me give you another one. 2 Timothy 2, 12. This is really good. If we endure, what does that mean? If we persevere, if we keep going, that means we're really saved. We also will reign with Him. We're not going to just rest sitting around doing nothing. No, it's not a rest of inactivity. It's a rest from sin and sorrow and trials, and we are going to serve God. True saints will rest in heaven. Both of my parents have gone to be with the Lord. My daddy died 20 years ago this summer. My mother died 10 years ago this fall. My mother died exactly exactly five years later than Dr. Rogers died on the same day in November. And so my mom, before she died, she knew she was dying and she called me one day. She said, will you come by and see me? I said, sure. Went by the Memphis Jewish home and went back. She said, I've just been afraid. I I know that I'm saved. I'm not worried about all that, but I just don't know what's going to happen when I die. And I said, oh, and I gave her all this theological. She said, I know all that stuff, but I don't know what's going to happen when I die. (laughs) In other words, quit getting all theological on me, all right? I said, okay, let's pray. And we prayed. Now, what I'm about to tell you, some of you may not like, all right? Some of you may not like this, but I I believe it. 
Within a few days, my mom had a dream. And in her dream, she was caught up into heaven and she saw Jesus and she saw the angels and she saw her mother and she saw loved ones. You know, she told me many times, she said, you know, most of my friends are already in heaven. And she saw a lot of them. And the next day I went by to see her and I didn't know what had happened. Her whole countenance had changed. And she told me, Steve, I saw a little glimpse of heaven last night in a dream and I'm okay. You may not believe in that. You, you, you do whatever you want to do. I believe in that. I believe that somehow God gave her just a little bit of a glimpse, just a little bit of a glimpse. And I believe he did that because he loves his children and he wants us to rest in heaven. Aren't you looking forward to a new body? Oh my, that is going to be awesome. Aren't you looking forward to no more death, no more disaster, no more war, no more violence, no more sickness, no more cancer, no more heart attacks, no more strokes, no more paralysis, no more political division, no more Republican and Democrat, no more racial division. No more clashes of media opinions. No more Fox News and no more CNN. Praise the living God. No more cursing, especially calling God's name in vain. No more pandemics. No more weirdo COVID-19. It is a weirdo thing. Amen. None of that. It's all going to be gone. No more sorrow. No more sin. We're going to rest. When Jesus walked into Jairus' house, his little 12-year-old girl was dead. She'd been dead for a while. But Jesus said, Matthew 5, 39, he said to them, Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died. She is asleep. She's just resting. I'm going to wake her up out of her rest. You can say that when you're the resurrection and the life. Amen. And he just said, Talitha Kumai, which in Aramaic means little girl, get up. And if he hadn't have said little girl, our one guy says that if he hadn't called on her specifically, every dead person in the world would have come out of the grave. Amen. Little girl, get up. And she got up. Oh, Jesus, thank you that one of these days, true saints are going to rest in heaven. Not just sitting around, but we're going to be resting in his arms, working and serving him. Well, true saints will persevere on earth. True saints will be blessed at death. True saints will rest in heaven. But there's one more thing. True saints will be rewarded in heaven. Look at verse 13. For their deeds follow with them. How many of you like rewards? Anybody? I don't believe what I just saw. Hardly anybody raised their hand. How many of you remember Cracker Jacks? Let's just be honest. Why did you buy Cracker Jacks? For the prize. That nasty popcorn wasn't why you got it. Caramel all over it. Man, if you're going to get popcorn, put some butter on it. Amen. I didn't, I, I just, I 
violent, and I just dumped the box out. Why? I wanted the prize. Don't tell me you don't like rewards. I have these people say, well, I just want to go to heaven. I don't care about the rewards. I don't believe that for a skinny minute. I think you want to go to heaven. A lot of us want to go to heaven because we don't want to go to hell. <laughs> but I want to go to see Jesus, but also I'm, I'm looking forward to what's going to be there. He's going to reward us. He just said he would. I, I take him at his word. Our deeds will follow him. That means the, the good deeds that we've done. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water to somebody, I'll reward you. Whatever you do for me, I'll reward you. You teach a Sunday school class, I'll reward you. You give, I'll reward you. You help somebody out, I'll reward you. The smallest thing to you, I'm going to reward you. If you do it for my glory and you do it for somebody else, you, you try to meet a need, you try to do something for somebody else, you try to help somebody out, you get your mind off of yourself and you help other people, I'm going to reward you. You say, well, Brother Steve, it says our deeds will follow us. What about the bad deeds? Look at me. They don't follow. They don't follow. Because the minute you get saved, all that's washed away. You say, I just don't know if I believe that or not. Well, let me share a few verses with you. The moment you get saved, God erases and eradicates all of your sins. Psalm 103, 10 through 13, the psalmist said, He, God, has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. He hasn't been as bad to you as your sin has been bad, all right? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. God takes your sin the moment you confess, the moment you repent, and throws it as far as the east is to the west. He gets it out of there. It's gone. It's gone. Isaiah 1.18, come now, God says, and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, there's this big star, scarlet stain there, they'll be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they will be like wool. God said, I'm going to remove the stain of your sin. Isaiah 43.25, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. You get to heaven, God's not going to say, you remember what you did? Remember what you did? Remember what you did? Ah! Brr! That's not God. That's not God. That's the devil condemning you. God convicts you of sin so you'll repent and get right. But once you do, it's washed away forever. Jeremiah 31, 34, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. I want to say this to you. You need to read these prophets. They're, you get to heaven, they're going to say, how'd you like my book? <laughs> who is a God like you who pardons iniquities, passes over? And remember the Passover? The rebellious act of the remnant of his possession. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. He will again have compassion on us. Now watch. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He's going to step on your sins. And then he said, you, Lord, will cast all of their sins into the depths of the sea. He's, when you repent, he takes your sins and throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. Dr. Rogers said, then he puts up a sign that says, no fishing. 
Don't go back and pull them out all the time and say, God, you remember when I did that? You remember when I did that? God said, just leave it alone. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. John 1, 29, John the Baptist said the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That word take away means to remove, to cut off, to conquer, to kill. He kills your sin. When Peter was preaching in Jerusalem, Acts 3, 19, therefore repent and return that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that He may send Jesus, the Christ appointed to you. I'll just give you two or three more. Ephesians 1, 7, in Him, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood. What is that? The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of not our grace, but His grace. Look at me. It's not you that forgives your sins. It's Him that forgives your sins. And He doesn't do it based on your merit. He does it on the perfect blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's grace. 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Revelation 1, 5, this is the last one. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to Him who loves us and released us from our sins by His blood. His blood got you out of the prison of sin. You don't have to live there anymore. Well, what is this then, Brother Steve, that's constantly condemning me? It's the devil. If you have confessed it and forsaken it and repented of it, it's washed, it's under the blood, it's in the sea of forgetfulness, but the devil will remind you of it. And if you allow him to, he will beat you up and put you down. Happens over and over. Happened to a man in the Old Testament named named uh, Joshua, not the one that was with Moses, but this one was a priest, a preacher. And I want you to see how vivid this is. You ought to look up Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 and following. Listen to this. Now he showed me Joshua the high priest, he's a preacher, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at the right hand to accuse him. That's what the devil does. God convicts you to make you, get you to where you repent, and then it's over. But the devil condemns you and accuses you to keep you constantly stirred up, constantly afraid, constantly discouraged. I'm the worst one you got, God. I, you know, all around me. And we think that blesses the Lord. It doesn't. I want to say this to you. If you're a parent and your child did something 40 years ago that was bad, you wouldn't go back and spank that child now. And look at me, God doesn't do that with you either. God's a better father than that. He says, now Joshua was, uh, let's go back to verse 2. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this, talking about Joshua, please listen, listen. Is this man, is what he's saying, not a brand plucked from the fire? Do you like that imagery? I do. What he's saying is, Joshua, all you really are, you're a stick that I pulled out of a fire and you were burning. I went, blew you off, and now I got you, buddy. You're just a stick I pulled out of the fire. I remember one time I was preaching and a guy asked me, he said, how do you want me to introduce you? Do you want me to call you Dr. Gaines? I said, I want you to tell him I'm a burning stick pulled out of the fire. And he did it. I said, I asked him to do that, praise God. And I'm still smoldering a little bit, but praise God, I'm out of the fire, amen? 
Aren't you glad you got pulled out of the fire by Jesus? Amen? A burning stick pulled out of the fire. If that's all you get today, that's a good thing, all right? Now watch what happens. Verse 3, now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, standing before the angel. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, remove the filthy garments from him. And again, he said to him, see, I have taken your iniquity away from you and, you, and will clothe you with festal robes. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, clothed them with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, if you will walk in my ways, if you'll perform my service, then you will also govern my house and also have charge of my courts, and I will grant you free access among those who are standing here. Even though Joshua was a preacher, a priest who had sinned, he had clearly repented because God forgave him. Satan tried to accuse him. God would have none of it. When he tried to accuse him, Joshua, the devil did. God rebuked the devil. And Joshua, this brand plucked from the fire, is a very good picture of what happened to you when you got saved. Jesus pulled you out of the fire, and now you belong to him. And the devil may come along and say, oh, look how bad she is. Look what she did. Oh, look what he did. Look what he thought. Look what he did the other night. And God is saying, Satan, back off. These are mine. These are mine. When you repent, God rewards you. I just want to follow up just a second. Because I'm telling you, many people that are counseled with are Christians who are struggling because they come under condemnation from the devil because they've sinned, even after they got saved or whatever, and they, they are constantly condemned. They have repented of it, but it still bothers them. I want to say this to you. When you come to God and you've already repented of it, it's like He's saying, what sin are you talking about? I threw that stuff away. It's gone. It's gone. I don't hold that over your head. God doesn't do that. God doesn't condemn you. After you're forgiven, he lets you go. So what you need to do is smell the devil. Just remember, condemnation, that smells like the devil. And what you need to do is pray the Word of God. Pray some of these promises that I gave you a while ago. And if you didn't get them all down, write them down. You can go back and look online, pick them up. But pray some of these promises. The devil will not hang around a Christian that prays Scripture. He won't hang around a person like that very long, all right? Listen to what, here's how I would pray Psalm 103. Lord, as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed my transgressions from me. I personalize it. Isaiah 43, 25. Lord, you, even you are the one who wipes away my, out my transgressions for your own sake, and you will not remember my sins. Jeremiah 31, 34. Lord, for you will forgive my iniquity and my sin you will remember no more. I'll do one more. Micah chapter 7, 18 and 19. Lord, you will tread my iniquities under your foot. Yes, you will cast all my sins into the depths of the sea. Oh, friend, I want to tell you, the devil wants to beat you up, but God wants to build you up, and God wants to reward you when you 
get to heaven. When you get to heaven, don't you worry about having to face all your sins and give up. There's not going to be some deposition up there. No, when you get to heaven, all that's under the blood of Jesus, and you're going to get rewarded for every cup of water that you gave to somebody that needed a helping hand. Aren't you glad that God doesn't condemn you? God doesn't condemn you. Amen. Praise the Lord. True saints will be rewarded in heaven. 2020 has been a weird year, hasn't it? Man alive. I don't think if you live 50 more years, you'll ever have a year like this. Maybe you will. I hope not. But a lot of folks are struggling. You ready for this? They're struggling trying to persevere. We're talking today about what? The perseverance of the saints. A lot of people struggling. Struggling. I just want to say this. Even if you're struggling, don't you give up. Don't you give up. Look at me. There's nothing to go back to. Don't stop following Jesus. Even in a pandemic, don't stop following Jesus. Even if you lost your job, don't stop following Jesus. Even if you got COVID-19, don't stop following Jesus. Don't give up. Don't stop. People who love the Lord stay with it. They persevere. And the Bible says a godly man can get knocked down seven times, but he'll get up seven times. Get up. Get up in Jesus' name. Get up. Don't stay in that mess. Trust in the Lord because soon we're going to be at home. We're going to the house. Amen. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger. I'm traveling through this world below. Oh, but there's no sickness, no toil or danger in that bright land to which I go. I'm going there to see my Father and all my loved ones who've gone on. I'm only going over Jordan. I'm just a-going over home. I know dark clouds Oh, they'll gather round me. I know my way will be hard and steep, but beautiful fields, oh, they're rising before me. Where God's redeemed, their vigils keep. I'm going there to see my mother. She said she'd meet me when I come. I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over to home. Father, thank you that when you saved us, you secured us. 
You washed all our sins away, and we're going to reign with you. I don't care what the world says, we're going to reign with you. And this world is not our home. We are pilgrims passing through. Help us to persevere to the end. And help us to be saints who persevere. In Jesus' name, if that's your prayer, say amen.